Shock Sports Radio starts now. If Jason Tatum did not miss nine games, Jason Tatum would have been the number one pick in this draft. This guy had the knack, the ability to create his own shot. I, I think Pritchard was asking too much. Danny wasn't willing to give up. And that's just the way it goes. As a GM, your responsibility is to get the best offer out there. Yeah, that's my point, though. I think he's trying to you know, look at his career as a whole and say, I don't want to go 3-9. and nine. This is Shark Sports Radio. Welcome to week 24. Count it week 24. Kobe Bryant week gift. Alongside of me is Andrew Gifford. He goes by Giffy. And it's yours truly, Mark Loisel Jr., a.k.a. Shark, right here in the Ocean State. And the last seven days have been rough, dude. Sean Connery, Alex Trebek, and then uh, and then Tommy Gunn. Uh, Tommy Gunn this afternoon, man. It's, uh, it's kind of... You know, for for a weird and and uh, you know uh, tipsy turvy year uh, for obvious reasons, um, you know, having Tommy Gunn go down, that's a bummer, dude. Devastating, devastating. And I was listening a little bit of Mike Gorman today. You know, obviously after hours, and it was really hard to see. You know, Mike that upset, and you really got to see the human part of it. You know, you see the play by play guy. You know, but you got to see really what Tommy and him had a really special relationship. So, I mean, RIP to Tommy Heinsohn, one of the greats. I was talking to my fiance, and I, I told her that Tommy was the fan commentator. He said the things that the fans were thinking when you were watching the game. And I think it was like the first time that you realized that he was green at heart you know he put his heart and soul and everything and yeah I, I mean it touched my heart today you know seeing everything on Twitter and it, it's just really emotional when it comes down to it because you know he was the heart and soul you know of the Celtics he bled green he was the definition of Celtics so um, you know at, I believe 84 years old or you know somewhere around that age it's hard to miss that but he lived a good life too so um, at least, you know, he lived to that long, but man, yeah, it's been a rough week. You know, we talk about Sean Connery and, you know, you talk about Alex Trebek, as you said, um, I, all I keep thinking about is the Saturday night live skit. Oh, you know, you know, those made the rounds for sure. Oh, for sure. But on the bright side, Geff, on the bright side, something great happened this weekend. Oh, gee, what was that? You already dropped it earlier. <laughs> I asked my girlfriend of three plus years to marry me. Big time. Stepping up to the plate and crushing a home run. By the way, that plate was super expensive. <laughs> Easily the best, the best day of my life. And at the same time, Biden became president, the 46th president. So, but also to cap it off. Yeah, that was, yeah, your, uh, your, your, your Sunday was, def- it was good. It was really good. And then the cherry on the Sunday was, and we'll get to it a little bit later in the show, but, uh, Mr. Tua. He looked great. He looked great. And that yeah, the Dolphins came away with a victory 34-31, which we'll get into. But um 
No, we appreciate everybody's time. And as always, I'll get into it. You can always tune in to us, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify app. Also, when you get a chance, go write in a review and rank our podcast. It would be greatly appreciated for Giphy and I's hard work. Um, and also, we, f- we can't forget to mention, we had Sam Dossler from Connecticut State Golf Association who joined us um, you know, alongside talking about the Masters, the great event it is this week. Giff had to miss it for Family Matters, but I hung in there with Sam and you know, we had a discussion and it was uh, very informative and um, I learned a lot about, you know, the, the sport of golf through him and, you know, he's been incredible throughout the industry and, you know, I applaud his hard work, but, uh, but GIF, GIF, my friend, let's kick it off. We got a lot to talk about. You know, we're going to talk about the NFL. Let's get into it here. Week nine is behind us. Um, and officially, you know, this is the, uh, this is the halfway point um, for a lot of teams, if not all the teams so far. Um, so, We'll start off with the NFC. Um, Right now, the playoff standings. Um, New Orleans, with their just just behind the woodshed beatdown of of Tampa Bay Gronkineers on on Sunday night. Um, By the way, that game was over in the first quarter. Um, And that, that I think it was 24-0 at halftime. It could have been 31-0 at halftime because Jared Cook fumbled, I think, at the one or the two. Um, So... Yeah, so that was, I mean, that, that, that game was over in the, in the first quarter. So right now we got the, um, the Saints leading the conference, um, number one seed. They have tiebreakers over Seattle and Green Bay as far as their conference game win percentage. Uh, number two seed, uh, Seattle Seahawks, they have the tiebreaker over Green Bay as far as conference percentage wins um, or conference win percentage. Three, Green Bay Packers at six and two. Um, four, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, um, three, four, and one, because somebody has to come out of that division. Uh, five, Tampa Bay Gronkineers, uh, coming off of that shellacking at home against the Saints. Uh, six seed, Arizona Cardinals. Um, they have the tiebreaker over the Rams as far as um, conference win percentage. And then um, seven, um, the last playoff spot, Los Angeles Rams. And then outside looking in, um, Chicago Bears being the eight seed. San Francisco being the nine seed, you know, honestly, um, unless another team comes out of the NFC, um, honestly, it's probably that seven, that those seven teams right there in some order. Um, I don't see Chicago, their last two losses have looked pretty bad. Um, especially, you know, going on the road at Tennessee and just getting, just getting smacked. Um, their offense is anemic at best. I'll tell you what, the New Orleans Saints, they showed their true colors. And the reason why they showed that is because Michael Thomas was in uniform. And anytime you can have this guy on the field, he makes your team better. And the reason for it, he becomes a threat. When you have a guy like Traquan Smith and Deontay Harris and you know Jared Cook, Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is probably the most exceptional running back in the league as far as doing both things. But when it comes down to uh, Michael Thomas, his presence alone makes the Saints scary. And their defense, their defense is probably the most underrated defense. Yes, they're in the middle of the pack currently. But when they come in primetime games, those boys are ready to play. There is no knock on that defense for me, especially with that pass rush. And we talked about Tom Brady going up against a strong pass rush. 
that's where he shows his true colors. That's where he gets vulnerable in the pocket. And that's the way you get into Tom Brady's head and you become one-dimensional. They stopped the run almost the entire night. You know, the Saints just d- demolished the Buccaneers from the start. But it wasn't just like, you know, a punch in the face of Tom Brady. It was stopping the run. And it made Tom Brady have to throw the ball and force it to Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. It was an exceptional performance by the Saints. Not only because, you know, like I said, Michael Thomas was healthy, but they brought it. They brought a perfect scheme to this game. They beat him in the first first game of the year, and they beat him in week nine. And let me tell you, they did their homework. They're, they did exactly what they needed to do. You punch Tom Brady in the mouth early, you stop the run, and you have Drew Brees still to rock. That is a recipe for a win. That's how you do it. Yeah, it, it and it was it was great balance too because typically when you when you talk about New Orleans, um, Sean Payton can sometimes get pretty trigger happy when it comes to the passing game, especially with the weapons that they that they have. Like you mentioned, Traquan Smith, Michael Thomas, Kamara out of the backfield, whomever. But um, and we'll cover this game a little bit later. But they had um, they had thirty two passes and thirty seven runs, like in the game. So very good balance on offense, not predictable at all. Um, and listen, if you have a good defensive line that can put pressure on Tom Brady and 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 get him on his get him on his arse a couple of times and not give him the proper time where he needs to to play on his feet and make throws, that's been successful all the way throughout his career. So you know, definitely hats off to New Orleans. And 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 there's performances where people go in. And they win convincingly, but when you, when the game's over at halftime, especially against an offense that can be as potent as Tampa Bay's, um, that's a great win. That that is a season-defining win because I think previous to this week we we kind of came into this with, you know, New Orleans is fine, but obviously they didn't have Michael Thomas and they didn't have you know their weapons. But you know this is a this is a game, or I shouldn't say game, but a season-defining win. To go into Tampa Bay, especially Tampa Bay coming, you know, off of a couple games where they almost looked untouchable offensively, and just just punch them in the mouth, and and they didn't recover. It was a first round knockout, and um, yeah, definitely good performance by them. The pass rush that the Saints brought to Tom Brady, Tom Brady has always been like that against a team that can get after it. He gets scared. He really does. A lot of, a lot of people say he's always calm, cool, collected in the pocket. You see it. He is scared out there and you saw that when they played against the Jets and the Bills especially the Bills uh when when he played for the Patriots because the Bills pass rush that defense they had they didn't care they were going to sack him how many times at least three or four times a game and they got after it and let me tell you the Saints brought it they brought it defensively and you couldn't ask for more if you're a Saints guy so uh, I'm totally with it for sure so I mean, honestly, you know, and again, unless we see, um, unless there's definitely some major shuffling, um, I think it's a, it's honestly a three-team race um, in the NFC. I think it's New Orleans, I think it's Seattle, and I think it's Green Bay. And I would actually put those teams in that order as far as the teams that I think are the are the most capable to run the table and and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Um, so I, I mean, I think New Orleans. Listen, with Michael Thomas back and that defense playing um, how they did, if they can do half as good as that to the rest of the league, I think they're definitely the favorite. Um, the only reason why I'd say Seattle kind of falls behind them um, is their defense. 
I mean, they, they again, we'll cover this game here in a little bit, but their defense got worked by jo- uh, Josh Allen and company um, and just couldn't stop them, literally could not stop them. And, and you know, um, and then Green Bay, I would say, and I think Green Bay has the two weaknesses, Seattle has the one weakness, and I don't really see a ton of weakness with New Orleans. Obviously, you can go Drew Brees and, you know, can he go on the road and cold temperature? But listen, if they get home field throughout the playoffs, he doesn't have to travel anywhere. So I don't think there's a glaring hole. Obviously, Seattle's glaring hole is their defense, but their offense has been incredible. And then the two kind of holes for Green Bay are their rush defense. You really can't count San Francisco. Um, I heard I heard Mike Greenberg make the joke this morning that it was more like the 39ers last week instead of the 49ers because everybody got hurt. Um but, you know, the two glaring weaknesses are the rush defense. And, and can anyone else besides Devontae um, step up? Um, Alan, Alan Lazard is coming off of injury, um, I think, sometime either this week or next week. So we'll see with that. Um, Valdez Scantling had a good week last week. But, again, you know, it's against a depleted 49er team. Um, so we'll see. So just looking at schedules the rest of the way, because um, I think it's going to be these three teams. And I'm pretty confident that it's going to be some some order of these three teams. Um, next eight for the Saints um, home for the 49ers home for the Falcons at the Broncos at the Falcons at the Eagles home for the Chiefs get your abacus ready because a bunch of points are going to be scored in that game um, home for the Vikings at the Panthers to end the season I think their favor in all of those games except the Chiefs game and I think the Chiefs are maybe like a one-point favorite. I think it's pretty close. But I think the Chiefs are favored. But honestly, that's a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way. Um, if I may, my concern going into the Tampa Bay game was not having Michael Thomas. And I, I said it last week that I thought the Saints were a team that could be forced out of the playoffs. And that was because the absence of Michael Thomas was getting to them. Now that he is back... He is the X factor. He is going to be massive when it comes to this team making a hard push to the Super Bowl. He only had five catches. He only had five catches on Sunday. It it, it doesn't matter. That that's yeah. I know the fact he's there. Yep. That's the best part of it, though, Giff. You said it. He only had five catches, but every everybody else is looking at Michael Thomas, and you still got Alvin Kamara. You still got Jared Cook who can catch the ball. You know, Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris. Taysom Hill is, is a, you know, really um, a good weapon to have. You know, he's really the, the guy that you can, yeah, sparingly, sparingly. But you just like to have that, you know, knife come out of your pocket and be able to, you know, allow yourself to utilize that as, um, you know, a vital offensive standpoint. So at least you can put him in schemes and see how he does. But, again, going back to the Saints, what I said last week, was I didn't believe in them because of Michael Thomas's absence. But now he's back. I'm a believer, and I'm going to, to stay like that for a good while. Um, when you talk about the Seahawks and their schedule, um, their defense is so bad. It's so bad. It, yeah, it really is. And honestly, so just take a look at their schedule. So they're at the Rams this Sunday, home for um, Arizona, at the Eagles, home for the Giants, home for the Jets, at Washington, 
home for the Rams at the 49ers. That, I, I, I mean, the only ones that I can see being a test, I mean, they still have to play the Rams twice, and they always play each other close, no matter what the teams are like or, or what have you. So those, they say they might split those. Um, home for the Cardinals, that might be a problem. And honestly, the Seahawks every year, they throw up that one stinker a year. And by the way, it was going to be against your team until Seattle pulled it out. But there's that one team a year where they have no business losing to that they just throw up a stinker. So they're 6-2 and two right now. Say they split with the Rams and then they lose to Philly or they lose to – they're at Washington. Just so, But 12-4, and 13-3, right? That's probably where it's going to be. Um, honestly, like I said, you know, their defense has just been rough, um, torched by Arizona. Um you know, they were down in that 49er game until late. Um, so, you know, and, and torched by Buffalo. Um, I, I think New England's best offensive game of the year came against them. Obviously, Seattle pulled out the win. But, again, New, New England's offense hasn't been anything to write home about by any stretch. Um, so, it's just been difficult. And um, we'll get into it here a little bit later. But does does Russ, is Russ going to wear down down the stretch? Now, obviously, with that schedule, maybe not. But, you know, two out of his last three games, he's had seven turnovers. So he had that one good game against the 49ers where he had, I think, 350, four touchdowns, no picks. But against Arizona and against Buffalo, he had four inter- or, yeah, five interceptions and two fumbles. So is he starting to wear down or are people trying to figure him out? So it'll be interesting to see. Um, and then you go to Green Bay. Um their schedule the rest of the way, again, is not not awful. Uh, home for Jacksonville this Sunday, at the Colts, home for the Bears, home for the Eagles, at the Lions, home for the Panthers, home for the Titans, and at the Bears. So the only game that they'll probably be underdogs, I would assume, would be maybe Tennessee. But maybe they'll they'll be a one point favorite or something because they're at home. Maybe they'll be underdogs at the Colts. Who knows? Um, but we could we could honestly see a three way tiebreaker in the NFC at all twelve and four because I don't none, none of these schedules really stand out to me as being difficult down the stretch. Going back to Seattle real quick, um, I think you're right. I I think it's going to catch up to Russell Wilson as great of a player as he is. He needs some kind of defensive help. You know, you can't be scoring 38 to 40 points a game. That just can't happen. What what he needs is, you know, somebody to step up defensively, whether, you know, that's um, who they get, Carlos Dunlap from, you know, the Bengals recently. Maybe he steps up and be, becomes a big pass rusher. But, man, there are so many holes in that defense. And I'm sorry, you know, there's just no way that Russell Wilson alone will take this team to the Super Bowl unless that defense gets shored up. Um if you're talking about the Packers, they have to go 500, and they're still 10 and six. Like they're in a good spot. Um, so I have no like questions with them. And the way Aaron Rodgers is playing, I mean, he's playing like an MVP. So I would say if he can keep his presence up, you know, Aaron Jones is such a good weapon to have. He's he's the balance attack that allows Aaron Rodgers to get comfortable in the pocket and. I'll tell you what, his quick throws are exactly, exactly how you be a good defense. So 
they have like again all the ingredients to beat a team like you know the Saints or like the Seattle Seahawks. So watch out for Green Bay. I'm with you on that train, Geff. I'm with you. Yeah, I think I just think for the Packers, real quick. I think their two biggest things are going to be um, they play a style. Um, their style is to um, get ahead early, go up fourteen nothing on you, two you know um, quick touchdowns. And their defense is is built to rush the passer. Their defense is not built to stop the run because um, of Zadarius Smith, of Preston Smith. Um, you know their linebackers are weak. Um, Jair Alexander is a great cover corner. Um, Kevin King is fine. Um, Darnell Savage is really good, and 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 um, Adrian Amos is good too. So they're built to go against the pass, but their run defense is awful. So. I think if they're able to get up on teams early and kind of play from ahead, they and honestly, they are front runner ish a little bit. They do better when they're ahead. Um, when somebody's controlling the clock on them, they kind of struggle. And um, can can another wide receiver step up? You know, can you know Marquez Valdez Scanlon? Can Alan Lazard? Um, you know, um, I, I just you know Jay Sternberger. You know, their young tight end who who's been in, inconsistent. Um, a little bit. Can they get another offensive weapon on the receivers? Because listen, your your number two and your number three options can't be your running backs. I just I I'm not I'm a firm believer in that. Even though you can be good against against the crap teams, you can do that. You can have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams kind of run it. But against the good teams, against the New Orleans, against the Seattle's, even if Tampa Bay's or Arizona's, um, you need a second receiver. And I think if there is somebody who develops, whether it's Valdez Scanlon or whether it's Lazard later on in the year, I think that'll definitely help. Um, but, you know, honestly, as of right now, I think when it's all said and done, it's New Orleans 1, Seattle 2, Green Bay 3. I think if if I was giving my prediction, um, you know, through nine games here, I, I think it's Saints 1, Green Bay 2, and Seattle 3. I just think it's, it's going to take a toll. It's going to take a huge toll on Russell Wilson if this defense can't, you know, play with which like this is this is like surprising to me gift too because in years past you always thought Seattle had like, you know, a real top 5 pronounced defense and they had Russell Wilson they had a good running game. Now, they barely have a running game cuz everyone's injured on the roster with Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde and you got Travis Homer in the backfield. That, again, is going to weigh on Russell Wilson because if they become one-dimensional, which could easily be done, easily be done, I think that Seattle has a rude awakening coming when it comes to the playoffs. It might be a one-round and bounce, but we'll see. Let's see if Carlos Hyde gets back or you know Chris Carson. You know why Seattle could do that, though? Because when they had Russell Wilson under a rookie contract, they were able to pay guys like Richard Sherman, guys like Cam Chancellor. You know, obviously Bobby Wagner's still there. Um, they were able to pay their defensive guys to really build up that Legion of Boom defense while they still had Russell Wilson under under a rookie contract. Because as soon as you start paying your quarterbacks, that's twenty five, thirty, thirty five million a year, and that's that's a that's a big percentage of your salary cap. That's probably fifteen, twenty percent of your salary cap. So. Um, when you do that and you're able to strike gold young with a quarterback and you're able to invest everything else in your defense, that's pretty much what you're going to get. But, you know, and I think they were able to win a ring, should have won two, but you can thank uh, uh, Daryl Bevel and uh, and um, 
Pete Carroll for throwing the ball at the one-yard line when Marshawn Lynch was a beast, but that's besides the point. Um, but, yeah, when you're able to win under a rookie contract and build up your defense, you know, you're, you're definitely striking striking, um, striking oil. Um, all right, off to the AFC. Um, so, right now, um, Pittsburgh is the – I think I'll do three teams for the sake of argument, but I, I think we can all agree that Pittsburgh and Kansas City are, are the first tier. Um, Pittsburgh being 8-0, Kansas City being 8-1. And then Buffalo uh, out of the AFC East, seven and two. Tennessee, um, six and two. So then Baltimore is the five seed. Las Vegas Raiders are the six seed. They win the tiebreak over Cleveland, Indianapolis, and Miami based upon uh, best win percentage in conference games. And then, drum roll please, your Miami Dolphins with the seven seed. Um, coming off of two big wins at home against the Rams where defensively they destroyed them but now um going into arizona and basically the last two number one picks are i not not the last two number one picks but two number one picks a quarterback um you know able to beat arizona who's a frisky team um so they're at five and three and then they have tiebreakers over cleveland based upon strength of victory and then wins um on a tiebreak over indianapolis based upon uh, win percentage and conference games and then outside looking in Cleveland Browns at the eight seed, Indianapolis Colts at the nine seed. So, what are your thoughts on on that ranking? Besides the fact that your team is a seven seed, <laughs> you saw it coming. Um, I, I'll tell you what, you got to give the tip of the cap to the Steelers. They they just it doesn't matter how they win as long as they win. Honestly, I I feel like last week, you know, this past week against the Cowboys, um, in their eyes it was a fluke. Maybe they just weren't prepared. Maybe they you know, underestimated, you know, the quarterback Gilbert. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you what, Mike Tomlin has not had a losing season. He has always had a winning season since he's been with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he also has a Super Bowl under his belt. So you could just write him into the Hall of Fame for sure. Um, when, when it comes to the Steelers, when it comes to the Chiefs, when it comes to the Bills, they all have one thing in common. Their defense can get after a quarterback. They can stop a run. And also, they can score anywhere from 32 to 38 points per game. Easily. They can do that. When you look at Tennessee, when you look at Baltimore, when you look at Las Vegas, Miami, you know those are teams that have a lot of development to do and progression throughout the season. But right now, where it stands... I just think Pittsburgh, that defense, and James Conner, and all the weapons Ben Roethlisberger has made, I'm saying made because a lot of these guys come in the second and third round, and it's wide receiver university for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They always have good wide receivers, um, and I think it's due to the development of, you know, uh, from a rookie standpoint, allowing these guys to play right away and get comfortable with Big Ben Roethlisberger, which a lot of teams aren't comfortable in doing. But Mike Tomlin has really the 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 wide receiver coaches, you know, in, in great shape. You know, James Washington had a big touchdown. Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, they just have a ton of easy weapons that you got to play all those guys because they are all playmakers. So they're in the same boat for me as Kansas City, man. They are. Like, from a talent standpoint, 
I, I would give, you know, Steelers and Chiefs are right there neck and neck. It's like 1A Chiefs, 1B Steelers when it comes to talent. They just got it. They have it. Yeah, and I think um, they that Dallas game on Sunday, historically speaking, that's a game that they lose. They usually throw up a stinker. And, and for whatever reason, if you gamble on them and they'll lose to a random, they'll lose to like the equivalent of, you know, say like they'll lose to like a, a game like to the Patriots, three and five team. They'll go on the road. They'll stink. They'll have a couple of those during the year. So typically they lose those types of games. So the fact that they can come back and win, kind of get the light bulb working and then, um, <clears throat> you know, be able to still win that game. That's definitely important. And that's kind of a character building win for them. But I just wanted to go back to. He talked about Pittsburgh being kind of wide receiver university. Um, so their last four drafts, okay, their last four drafts, they've drafted a wide receiver who's playing significant time for them now, okay? So 2017, they get Juju Smith-Schuster in the um, second round. 2018, James Washington in the second round. 2019, Deontay Johnson in the third round this year. Mapletron, Chase Claypool gets him in the second round. Okay. This is what this is what the Packers, this is what the Patriots, this is what pretty much all the other teams. What is it about Pitts? Why why do they know how to draft receivers? And and to go further along in the process, Antonio Brown got him, I think, in the in like the fifth or sixth round. Plaxico Burris. You know, another guy who was a little troubled coming out of school, but they drafted him and he was really good. Um, Heinz Ward, he was a quarterback in college, but they made him into a receiver and he was, you know, quasi Hall of Famer if he's not in already. I'm not sure. But like Emmanuel Sanders, like second or third round. So I don't understand. He must have some analytics or or maybe Tomlin is just a part of that old school gut feel. I feel like he could be a good receiver for us, but um, just consistently wide receivers going through there. And having the same, yeah, and having the same stability in Ben Roethlisberger. So, um, you know, just kind of looking at the rest of the teams there, I mean, I think that our top five that we have, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Buffalo, Tennessee, Baltimore, I feel like that's pretty steady. Um, that might be one through five. Six through nine, I think, is going to f- be in flux for the rest of the year. I think this is going to be something that goes down to the wire week 16, week 17, and then we have a bunch of those goofy tiebreakers about who gets in. Um, but I think one through five are pretty solid. Six, seven, eight, and nine. Um, I, I think we'll definitely be fluxing in and out. But just to kind of go with the Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Buffalo uh, top three down the stretch. Um, Pittsburgh's uh, last eight games, home, home Bengals, that might be in question. That might be a potential upset alert because Ben got put on the COVID list today. Um Yep, trap game. Um, then at Jacksonville, home for the Ravens on Thanksgiving, which is a dope night game, by the way. That's awesome. Um, home for the Washington professional football team. At the Bills, that'll be a good one. At the Bengals, home for Colts. At the Browns. Yeah, that's tough-ish. I mean, you know, anytime that you play the Ravens um, and you don't have a home field advantage, that's going to be a, a slugfest. They still got to go at Buffalo. And they got to play the Bengals twice, and you can't really you can't write those off. Those are going to be tough games, um, you know. Considering what Burrow and um, you know those boys are doing up in Cincinnati, and they're home for the Colts, that might be a frisky game. So, you know, tough, but again, not incredibly tough. 
Um, yeah, sure. <clears throat> now, this is where Kansas City might might overtake them as far as being the one seed because here's their schedule. Um, they have a bye week this week. Um, and then the weekend after that, at Raiders, at Bucks, which would be a good one, home Broncos, at your Dolphins, at the Saints, home for the Falcons, home for the Chargers. That's actually tough. That that's a that's a tough last last seven. Um, you know, obviously the Bucks isn't going to be a cakewalk. You know, neither is the Saints game. You know, and then divisional matchups with uh, the Broncos, the Raiders, and the Chargers. That's a tough one. Uh, that's a that's a tough last seven. Um, here's the dark horse who might actually come out with the one seed is Buffalo. Okay? And I'm not saying because of team, because I think they're the third most talented team, but here's their schedule coming down the stretch. So at, at Arizona, home Chargers, at 49ers, home Bills, at Broncos, at Pats, home Dolphins. Uh, I'm sorry, home home Dolphins. So, yeah, at home against the Dolphins. So, you know, I, I honestly think Arizona, I don't know if people have found them out, but I don't feel as good about them as I did a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, 49ers, Chargers, you know, Broncos, Patriots, you know, they could come out of there with one loss, go 13-3. and three. I think it's conceivable. Um, you know, have the have the Steelers at home. Who knows? They might be able to roll there too. So, um, you know, but I mean, we'll see. You know, we'll see. I, I still, I still probably say Pittsburgh just because how consistent they've been on offense and defense, and they've won different types of games. They were up big on Tennessee, almost blew the lead, came back and won the game. They were up, they were down in the second half um, against Baltimore, came back and won. Um, they go on the road to Dallas. They should be beating them by 30. They're losing in the fourth quarter. They come back and win. So those are those are building block wins um, in different scenarios. So I probably probably say Pittsburgh. Um, I, you know, I, I still think Pittsburgh and Kansas City are the tough two seeds by the end of it. An eye-opener for me this, this weekend was the Kansas City-Carolina game. I was watching it at my brother's house, and I, I just couldn't, like, pinpoint why Pat Mahomes was having such a struggle um, against the Carolina Panthers, you know, in the first half. And the second half, you know, did happen. But I'll tell you what, Carolina held strong throughout the entire game. And defense-wise, again, if you can contain Pat Mahomes in the pocket, you have the ability to create some sacks or create some uh, some turnovers. You got to you got to find a way to keep this guy in the pocket because what he is actually great at is rolling outside the pocket and making things happen. He, he's an innovator. He's a motivator for his teammates. He's a guy that Kansas City has always relied on. And we, we talk about Russell Wilson's weight with Seattle. You can't really see it truly with Kansas City because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a really good running back for him. And also, 
they have a pretty good defense. Not not great defense by any means, but they know how to play. And they come to work every single game with Andy Reid. So I, I think, honestly, Pat Mahomes has every single you know phase of the game in, in, in an advantageous um, you know, standpoint. So, I mean, give me, give me Kansas City to end on top and Steelers in two and then Buffalo in three. That's what I think. So just briefly, um, because you are a Miami Dolphins fan, um, let's look at their schedule down the stretch because I think there's, there's a way you can get to 11 wins. There, there's a way. Now, like, will it happen? Who knows? But here it is. So this Sunday, you're home for the Chargers, who consistently crap their pants in the fourth quarter. Um, I, think, I think so far this year, the Chargers have had three leads over 15 points. Um, in the second half, and then lost three or four, and they've lost all those games. So they can, yeah, yeah, crap their pants down the stretch. Um, I'm pretty sure Anthony Lynn is wearing depends now. Um, so home Chargers at Broncos, at Jets, home Bengals, home Chiefs, which is, you know, a, a, a good one, home Patriots, at Raiders, at Bills, where the Bills might have everything wrapped up already. And they might not be playing their starters the last game of the year. So, Giff, that schedule to me is put up or shut up. Um, When it comes to the the talent and the potential and the expectations of this Miami Dolphins team, I just look at the ability to be better at every single team in all three phases. That's what it's becoming about. You know, the Tua show was great, and we'll get to it. But three phases of the game is more important at this point because they are showing truly that they can win in different different facets. They don't have to throw the ball, you know, 30 to 50 times. Defense-wise, they're going to get after it. Special teams, the guy hasn't missed the entire year. So in my eyes, I agree with you. They are in it in every single game moving forward. Now, I don't like to look ahead. I don't because I just, I I get worrisome that there's like a couple of trap games. Oh, you know, is the defense going to show up this game? Or, you know, is Tua going to throw a couple interceptions in this game and and blow the lead? Um, So what I do is, you know, obviously take it game by game, but ultimately look at who he's playing. Okay. Joe Burrow, number one pick. Drew Locke, possibly. He was a pick for the Broncos that the Dolphins pass on, right? Justin Herbert, he's playing. This is the revenge exactly, exactly. And I said it. I said it when they elected him to start. I told you this too. This is uh, prove me, um, prove me sweepstakes for Tua Tonga Baloa. If he can actually show people that he is the best, best quarterback, young quarterback in this league, my goodness, is is it all good for the Miami Dolphins moving forward? Um, but again, all three phases have to show up. I'm going to say it. So, um, But if you want to get into the Buffalo Bills and Seahawks recap real quick. Sure. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Boy, this was a smackdown. Um, by the way, this game wasn't this close. Um I'm pretty sure I think Buffalo at one point was up 41 to 20 
uh, in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter. So the game wasn't as close. So if you're if you're seeing that you know Seattle lost by ten, they were getting smoked. Um, so Buffalo's offense for a pretty pedestrian last couple of weeks definitely caught on fire um, in this game. They scored ten points in um, ten or more points in three out of the four quarters. Um, Josh Allen best game in the NFL. Um, 31 out of 38, 415 yards, three touchdowns, um, one touchdown rushing. Um, you know, Stephon Diggs, nine catches, 118 yards. John Brown, eight catches for 99 yards. Eight different receivers caught balls for Buffalo. Um, you know, and again, Seattle scored their garbage points down the end, but Buffalo's defense, this was their – it's ironic because – they gave up probably the most points that they've given up all year or close to it, but they were the most dominant that they've been. Um, had five sacks, two interceptions, two two uh, fumble recoveries. Um, you know, their first four drives of the game were touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. So anytime that you can get off to a 24-10 lead and extend that to a 41-20 lead, uh, especially against Russell Wilson and Seattle, um, you know, that's definitely a statement win. And again, we've seen these teams who who are coming from, obviously with the Patriots not being what they historically have been, who's the next team up? Well, right now it's Buffalo, but it could be Miami nipping on their heels. But when you're a young team, especially with a young quarterback, you got to have foundational wins under your belt. So again, having the game with the Rams earlier in the year where they blew a big lead, came back and won it. Go on the road, Josh Allen gets hurt against the Raiders. Um, Come back and win the game. And now having a Seattle team at home that, okay, put up or shut up time, where in a lot of these games, you know, the Tennessee game or maybe last year when they were getting some buzz, Josh Allen didn't perform, didn't really rise to the occasion. But this this week, you know, all shackles were off and he just lit up the Seattle defense. Um, yeah, he's showing up. And if I may so um... – you know, I think Josh Allen is kind of like every other young young quarterback in this league. You know, he has the ability to throw the long ball. He can throw the short passes. He can run outside the pocket. And if you can be that type of, you know, um, utility knife that you can utilize, you know, on the backfield, you know, run, run the ball and, and throw the rock, man, you are a tough, tough offense to play against. And his rushing attempts, I mean – it's outstanding. He knows how to run the ball outside the pocket. And, he, I mean, he's the bigger Kyler Murray for sure. Kyler Murray's more versatile and more dynamic. But don't sleep on Josh Allen running out of the pocket. So I, I think this guy is just – he's doing everything right. You know, I think uh, Russell Wilson saw his kryptonite. Honestly, watching you know Josh Allen do what he used to do. Um, but Josh Allen also has a very good offensive line that gets overlooked. So – I, I think uh, the Bills just, you know, they keep it roaring, man. And I'll tell you what, I, I called it this this weekend as a big boy win weekend. Like, those are big wins for these guys. Like, Seattle is arguably uh, a Super Bowl contender. And you, this was a prove-it game and a statement game, as you said, Giff. And you could not have it any better than what Buffalo was doing on Sunday. That was exactly what they needed. Sure. And so a couple things. Um, now, what was Josh Allen? Was he like the 15th pick? Or was he like, because a couple teams passed on him. 
Miz middle of the pack over over a tweet. So, okay. Here's my little soapbox. Um, we're not going to do that to BS this week, but here's my little soapbox. When you have college kids who are 18 to 22 years old, think of all the dumb things that you did when you were in college and and neither one of us were professional athletes or had the exposure that or that collegiate athletes have. So to say that this kid is immature when he's 21 years old and he fires off a couple of dumb tweets, I'm not defending him, they were pretty dumb to do, but 21-year-old guys are so dumb. So when you're an NFL quarterback or when you're an NFL franchise, just go with the talent. What, what, go, go with the talent. Like for the look, like now look. Obviously, there are bases where Ryan Leaf, Jameis Winston, um, you know, uh, all those like where they went talent or, or whatever, and they didn't pan out. Yeah, so it's like, but if you if you're a franchise who has been who needs a quarterback, you if you can't make a 21 year old, 22 year old kid who is still very impressionable. By the way, frontal lobe for guys doesn't form out till about 28 or 29 years old. So if you can't take a kid with raw talent and make him into a professional, that's a little bit on the kid, but it's mainly upon you. Okay? So just take the talent. And it wasn't like he did anything where he got arrested. He shot off a dumb tweet. Unbelievable to me. Um, right. Yeah. No, it, it is, but you look over the years, Geff. I mean, how many people passed out, you know, passed on Aaron Rodgers? How many people passed on, you know, Laramie Tunsil for, you know, smoking weed out of a gas mask? You know, probably what he did, what? Probably like when he was 18, 19 years old. You know, let, let the kid have his fun when he was in college and, you know, let him do what he can do in the professional career. And I get it. You know, you don't want to see that early on because it can it can become a trend and it can become a cancer to the locker room. But you, you just see it. Like guys that, you know, get overlooked, you know, and they fall in the late rounds because of over a stupid thing, they actually turn out to be da- pretty damn good. So I, I would – yes, exactly. So I, I just – I can't fathom how good Buffalo was on Sunday. I really like what I see – liked what I see. And what they did defensively to Russell Wilson, it's exactly what every defense should take notes on and learn about that game and also replicate it when you play him. Because he's going to be exactly that type of vulnerable, you know, pocket passer. You know, if you, like I said, what you did to Tom Brady, the Saints, is exactly what you should do against Russell Wilson. But, you know, you got to make sure you collapse the pocket as well because Russell can use his feet just like Kyle and Murray can. So, um, speaking of which, let's just break down the Saints and Buccaneers quick. Let's, you know, we're not going to emphasize it too much because we talked about early on. Yeah, because it was over in the second quarter. But basically, score was 31-0 at halftime. Um, and I want to say, okay, so New Orleans' first half possessions went as follows. Touchdown, fumble by Jared Cook at the one-yard line. Touchdown, 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 field goal. That's and 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 that's a wrap. Um, Drew Brees, twenty six for thirty two, um, two hundred twenty two yards, four touchdowns, 
I, I thought that this was a typo when I saw it. 12 different guys caught balls for New Orleans. That's insane. Like, you can only have five on the field at one time. So, I... I... But, but, Gift, that shows that Drew Brees trusts his receivers. That shows that Tom Brady doesn't feel comfortable with this offense. And it's been how, how many games? He, he's had a good season. Don't get me wrong. He's had a good season. But you could just see it sometimes. He's just like, uh, he, he doesn't look comfortable out there. And I think it's... Really... Well, because there's guys in his face. Just look at the teams where he's looked the worst against. Didn't look good against Chicago. Rushed him. Chicago's defense is really good. Khalil Mack was a monster in that game. Uh, New Orleans, good defensive line. Can get in his face can, t- twice. Can get pressure on him. And those are the three losses. And what are the similarities between those teams? They have a good defensive line and they can get pressure. If you're going to go against bag teams like like the Chargers or whomever that, that don't have a defensive line, he's going to put up numbers. But if they have a defensive, you know, uh, if you have a defensive line, um, you can you can really cause problems. Yeah, and so moving forward, you know, the Saints, again, like you said, you know, that amount of touches allows the Saints to spread the ball around and get comfortable offensively. And I saw it. Tom Brady just kept forcing the ball to Antonio Brown. And, man, I understand that you want him to have a good debut back in. He only had five targets, though. It's not like he dominated the game. He had three catches for 30. Well, I mean, it's not wrong because that's the first game he's on the roster and they get smacked, right? So, you know, I mean, I can't go against it. I mean, it's not like he had 10 targets and three catches. Then it would be probably a little bit. He only had five targets. Um, I think that... Oh, yeah, other guys for sure. I mean, I'm not I'm not defending it, but I'm saying it wasn't a dominant part of the game. I don't think it... It wasn't glaringly obvious. Um and just run through. So Brady had three picks, um, got sacked three times, pressured you know a handful of other times. Um, Tampa Bay ran the ball five times the whole game, which I thought was quizzical, especially when you have a backfield like Rojo and Leonard Fournette and Shaney McCoy running the ball five times. That seems a little weird to me. Well, they were down so early. Yeah. But you know why? You know why? Because... Yeah, exactly. They they couldn't run the ball the second half. They had to play catch up the entire time. So that that's the whole purpose. Why? Um, yeah, but yeah, this was. I mean, this was a statement win from from New Orleans, and it's funny. Obviously, on a week to week basis, we overreact, and and we what? But New Orleans going from a team of like eh to oh, by the way, this team is legit, and they reminded everybody that they're legit. And they're probably the favorite in the NFC. And a week ago, they were kind of like, they just squeaked out a win against Chicago. And they're like, eh, they're fine. But they put a whooping on, on Tampa Bay. All right. The floor is yours, my friend. Get on your get get on your teal-colored soapbox. Get your Merino, sorry, get your Tua jersey on. And uh, and get your uh, in Flores We Trust sign uh, all up in the air, my friend. The floor is yours. Well, if they keep winning, I'm going to do it. I feel like we do this every week, and I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I was rocking my Tua shirt, actually, last night. Um, but I'll tell you what. As I said, this weekend was a big boy weekend, and Tua Tungle Valoa showed up. 
And that was exactly what I wanted to see GIF uh, against a, I'm not going to say a really good defense, but they're, they're middle of the pack. They're probably within the 12 to 15 rank um, defense. For, for, for me, looking at his game, his accuracy, his precision, his, co- his calm and poise in the pocket, man, there was two plays I will just keep on looking at that were just stellar. The fact that he got away from a pass rush, did a quick dip and turn, and then split two tackles, and then went and just dove for the first down was exactly what I thought Tua wasn't, shouldn't do, and I don't think he was going to do it, but he needed to do it. And this is why he's so good is because he's a gamer. He's a winner. He'll do anything possible to win. And, and for example, I, I, I just can't, I, I can't fathom how great he is with his eyes. His vision is probably the best part of his game. And he finds a way to make you know, guys you know, just open with his eyes. And if you can do that, that will make you special. And Jakeem Grant is getting touches now, which is good to see. He's become a target for Tua. Um, Preston Williams had a game, you know, four catches for 60 yards and a touchdown. And Devontae Parker got his touches. I want to see Mike Kosicki get involved. But look at that throw to Matt Collins. That just shows you how precise, precise and accurate he can be. And like I said, you know, when he first started, in Alabama, he had a great defense. So why not continue the process? I love that mindset. I love that mindset by Miami because you saw what he did in Alabama and he relied a good amount on the defense, but he also knew how to you know, make plays happen on his own. But if you have a good defense and it shows this team is dominant, Emmanuel Ogba is having seven sacks in the last eight games and he had a massive sack fumble gap. So what I ultimately want to get at is all three phases. I talked about it earlier. Brian Flores is preaching it. People are delivering it. These players are listening. The ownership is believing it. The fans are living it. And I, I just I can't imagine another you know, quarterback you know, coach tandem. He's exactly what the Miami Dolphins need. And this defense, again, you got Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, you know, Evergrove's playing, you know, uh, Manuel Agba, Shaq Lawson. Like, if I can name these guys, that's how good they can be. And so defensively, they're always going to be top five this year. If Tua Tungvaloa can show up in these games against these young quarterbacks and prove to the entire NFL that he is for real, my goodness, the Dolphins have a bright future not only this year, but years to come. And this was a huge game against Kyla Murray, who had his own way throughout the entire season up to this point. Well, you know what's interesting, too? And, you know, Dolphins fans can salsa even more because not only are you on the rise, you have Houston's first and second round picks next year on top of yours. Well, that's because Bill O'Brien's terrible at his job. But hey, listen, that that's fine. You know, Danny, like I said, Danny Ainge traded Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce at the twilight of their career to get you know those bevy of draft picks. So it does happen from time to time. But 
but honestly, and I, I'll be honest, when, you, when a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Tua starting and and you were talking about that documentary and you know how it's an inspiring story. Listen, I threw up in my mouth a little bit because I'm very not pessimistic but optimistic when it comes to those types of pieces. Some sometimes I think they're a little bit of puff pieces, but. Now, he didn't have a a stellar week against the Rams. He didn't have to. But when you plug a quarterback in and they play and the whole team plays significantly better and significantly, you can notice a difference in the energy and and everything. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty, you know, that's pretty transformative. So, and be able to do that two weeks in a row against two pretty good teams. Right from from the NFC West, which arguably is the best division of football, so right. And I I just want to emphasize right now, Giff, to his work ethic. I I, I saw a tweet recently. Um, a former New England reporter, Ruth Ruthie, um, went down to Miami recently, and she has said that Tua Valoa has been practicing with guys after practice where he's throwing the ball, working on their routes together. you know, And that comes with the vision. That comes with repetition, right? So the more repetitions you have, the more vision you're going to have and the more decisiveness you're going to have. And that's exactly what he built into that offense against Arizona. And I'm telling you what, this is going to be a fun game to watch on Sunday. I cannot wait because it's Justin Herbert, who the Dolphins, uh, you know, removed their, you know, he, he was not on their leaderboard. And they went with Tua Tungvaloa over Justin Herbert because Herbert was waiting in the wings for the Chargers. So uh, it, it, it's going to be a proven game, though. I'm, I'm going to put that weight on Tua right now. This is where you actually you know, show the entire, again, NFL world the reason why the Dolphins picked you over Justin Herbert. And their defense, I'm telling you, their defense gets after it. And, uh, again, they're going to be top five at the end of the year. So... Uh, that's my Miami spiel. I, I think you know they, they just ultimately just got to keep it consistent. That's always been their issue, and, and keep Tua healthy. To keep Tua healthy, and they'll, they'll be in great hands. So, yep. All right. So, um, honestly, this week's slate of games kind of sucks. Um, there, there's not a really, there's not a lot of good games uh, this week. So we only got two. Um, Intriguing matchups for for Week Ten. Um, the first one being uh, Buffalo uh, at Arizona uh, Sunday at four oh five. You know, right now we got the three and the uh, the three seed in the AFC against the six seed in the NFC. So so good slate. Um, the DVOA rankings for both teams: Buffalo is eighth in offense, twenty third in defense. Arizona, 10th in offense, 10th in defense, like you had mentioned, you know, middle of the pack as far as the defense goes. Um, Cardinals were on a three-week or three-game winning streak before the Dolphins. And uh, and Buffalo um, was on a three-game winning streak heading into this game as well. So, um, you know, both teams, you know, uh, playing pretty well coming into this. Um, this is a really good matchup of, of young quarterbacks early on in their career. Um, you got Josh Allen, you got Kyler Murray. Both guys are playing really well right now. Um, season stats for Kyler Murray so far, uh, 22,130 yards passing, six touchdowns, seven picks, eight touchdowns running. 
That's crazy. I had no I had no clue he had that many on the ground. Um, yeah, for sure. And then Josh Allen, uh, two thousand five hundred eighty-seven yards, nineteen touchdowns, five tu- you know five picks and five touchdowns running. Both guys are having an amazing year. So this should be fun. Yeah, MV- MVP caliber type of years, and I I think this Bills team. You know, this this just shows it their strength of schedule. It, it's very very tough. It is early on, and I mean, you play against the Jets, you play against the you know Pats that don't look good, but um, overall, you know, they they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And the Bills defense, I'm telling you, if they can contain Kyler Murray, which heck, uh, the Dolphins had you know a lot of trouble doing so because Kyler still ran for 100 yards, even though he had that sack fumble. He was not worried about it. He, he just kept his head down and kept going. Um, but it, it's going to play a major factor for me um, from uh, Josh Allen's standpoint to throw quick throws because Arizona has a pretty good pass rush. And if, if you can't have quick throws and you know, realize that you should get out of the pocket or if you're about to get sacked, throw the ball away because field possession is going to be huge because Kyler Murray allows drives to – um, you know, continue. And, and Cliff Kingsbury will go for it if it's fourth and two or fourth and one anywhere on the field. He's a guy that he, he trusts his offense. He trusts his, his um, decisions. So I, I want to see Buffalo really get after it. Um, but I also want to see Arizona upset because I want Buffalo to go seven and three so my Dolphins can win against the Chargers and be one game, one game behind the Buffalo Bills. So that that'd be insane. Yeah, that'd be crazy. That'd be absolute. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I want. I want, especially with the Pats being down. I'd like to see a a, a dogfight for the AFC East, just to see two different teams, and um, you know, two different two different teams in there to to kind of you know uh, represent the AFC or at least win the AFC. I think the big key for for this game is. Um, both offensive lines are towards the bottom of the league as far as sacks given up goes. So I think it's going to be in the trenches, um, given the you know Kyler Murray and Josh Allen enough uh, enough time to throw the ball. And honestly, you know I, I don't know if Buffalo could have the success against Russ and then play a very similar quarterback in Kyler. So I think that their performance against you know Russell Wilson last week. I think it could only help them out against Kyler. Now, obviously, Kyler is a younger version of Russ, and I think Arizona's offensive line is a little bit better than Seattle's. But I think they have the blueprint, or at least I think they have they have the foundation of what they want to do. Obviously, schematically, it'll be a little bit different, um, you know. Uh, but I think you know Buffalo definitely I think should be favored because um, they I think they have the foundation. You know, they coming off of the success they had against Russ last week, so. Um, you know, prediction, um, I think Buffalo's hot right now. Um, I think Josh Allen is playing out of his mind, and I think especially coming off of a, of a game where he outdueled Russ, who, you know, top two, top three in MVP voting. I think Buffalo's got the momentum. Uh, I think this is going to be a shootout. You know, I think it's going to be a 37-34, 31-28 type game. But, yeah, I, I think I definitely see Buffalo pulling this one out. You homer. You homer. 
Yeah, I, I go with, um, I'm just going to go against it. I, I'm going to go with uh, Arizona. I, I think, no, I, I honestly think it, it's a it, it's a game for DeAndre Hopkins to get back to it because he only had three catches for th- 30 yards, um, you know, against the Miami Dolphins. And I'm sure he was not happy with that. And I think he had five or six targets. So um, he seemed to be, you know, kind of worried out there. Now, Tredavious White is no, you know, slouch. He's a guy, he's probably one of the best corners in the game. So if they go toe-to-toe, he might have some struggles. But again, I think DeAndre Hopkins has to come out and, and play even better, you know, than he did against the Dolphins. Otherwise, you know, I just don't think uh, Arizona has a shot because um, Kyle Murray's going to have to be the, the hero again. And it just doesn't pan out. So he's got to make sure. Yeah. For Buffalo? No, no, he's he he's on Buffalo. I know who you're talking about, though. Christian Kirk. Chris- John, John Brown's got to have a good game this week. He he's he's got to he's got to be. He's going to have, you know, eight, nine catches, 100 yards, one or two touchdowns, I think, for them to um, have a shot. Because I think, you know, anytime um, – no, 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 for Arizona. Isn't John Brown on? Yeah, he's – yeah, Christian Kirk, that's it. Um, yeah, I think Kirk's going to have – Kirk's going to have a good game. Um, uh, I, they're both similar guys, so I don't know why I said that. But, yeah, I think I think Christian Kirk's going to have – he's going to have a game. Um, cause I think anytime new Hopkins goes in there, um, they're obviously the defense is going to key on him and, um, it's going to be the other wide receivers that are going to have to have a good game for, uh, for, for Arizona. But right. But going back to it, I think he at least needs to be a threat in order for Kyla Murray. And so Kyla Murray's got to target him. So either you, you target a guy and you know, you, you make sure that he gets his touches or you start spreading the ball around like Drew Brees did against the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it, it's going to be definitely a good game to watch for sure. Um, wow, we have another game, huh? Seahawks at Rams. Yeah. Seahawks at Rams. Um... Yeah, Seahawks at Rams. Um, this I mean, this is the second best game of the weekend, in my opinion, because the rest of the slate is is absolute crap. Um you know, Seattle obviously coming off of, you know, the Buffalo game um, right now, Seattle. Now, if the season ended today, this would be the first round matchup in the playoffs because Seattle's a two seed and, and uh, the Rams are the seven seed. Um, you know, Seattle DVOA rankings, third ranked offense, 21st ranked defense. Now, you would think that they would be a little bit lower than that, but their, their rush offense is, or their rush defense is actually top 10 of the league. Now, that could be because no one runs the ball against them, and that very well could be it, but top 10. Um, rush defense in the league. So Seattle, third-ranked offense, 21st-ranked defense. Uh, Rams, fifth-ranked offense, ninth-ranked defense. Um, you know, Seattle, they're 2-2 two and two in their last four um, after starting the year 4-0. and um, And in the last two losses for Russ, you know, combined seven turnovers, five picks, um, two fumbles lost. You know, the Rams are coming off a bye. Their wins this year um, are against... Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, Redskins, Bears. So they're 4-0 against the NFC least. Um, 
and they're one and three against everybody else. So they need a win um, on their resume, I think, for people to take them a lot more serious um, as a contender. Um, and you know, again, this week, can are the cracks starting to show as far as Russell Wilson's usage and what's going to be expected of him to produce uh, on a on a on a game by game basis? Because their their defense can't stop anybody. Um, all their running backs are hurt, and I think the big key for if Seattle is going to win um, is for the other receivers. You know, David Moore, um, Tyler Lockett, because I imagine you know Jalen Ramsey is going to pick up DK Metcalf, um, so it's going to have to be Moore and and Lockett that that produce um, for them to to have a shot in this game. Because um, listen, they're you know you got Aaron Donald, and Aaron Donald is a is an eater of offensive lineman this year I mean he's he's I think you know obviously you have Russ you have Josh Allen you have Aaron Rodgers in the MVP conversation but I honestly think Aaron Donald should be in there as well because anytime that you need anytime a guy can get past double teams and cause the amount of havoc that he has so far this year um, I think he should definitely be at least in the top five as far as MVP as far as I'm concerned so um you know, I mean, we'll see. We'll see if Seattle coming off a loss, Rams coming off a bye. If you know, if Rams can get a win on their on their resume to make them a little bit more, you know, legitimate in the in the NFC picture. Yeah, I, I just want to go back to the Seattle defense. I, I just don't have a lot of faith in them. Um, this might be uh, this is a division game too, and anytime you go into a division matchup, you know, the both teams want it, right? So they need it. So I I just can't like overlook you know, Seattle, um, you know, playing against the Rams. I, I think the Rams, if they can have Darrell Henderson run the ball and, you know, utilize some of their weapons, you know, you already know their defense. It's it's outstanding. And if Jalen Ramsey plays um, and he is ready to go, I think he can ultimately go toe-to-toe with D.K. Metcalf and cause some distraction on D.K. Metcalf. Now, like you said, it's ultimately going to come down to Tyler Lockett and David Moore and all the other weapons that they have, because if Travis Homer's in the backfield, my goodness, why why even start a running back? Like, bring a fullback out and just have Russell Wilson throw the rock, because um, it, it's scary for Russell Wilson. Every single running back, you know, with Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde, like you said, they got an injury. So, you know, it, it just puts so much, again, it puts so much weight on Russell to do so much, and what happens when you put a lot of weight on one guy? Turnovers. You make the wrong decision. You know, you're just not used to it. And it's easy for a defense to make an adjustment if you keep throwing the football. So they got to do some kind of trick play action, you know, with Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf. You're going to see a lot of that, uh, GIF. I think, I think you ultimately see a lot of trick plays because they got to keep, um, you know, the Rams on their toes. And, and also, if I am Seattle... I'm running no huddle almost the entire game to get to get Aaron Donald tired because that's the only way you're going to beat them. That's the only way you're going to beat them. But I think it's a trap game. I, I think uh, the Rams win. And the reason why I say that, look look who they beat. The Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants, the Redskins, okay? And the Bears are an exception in my eyes, okay? Their defense, all those defenses are not good. So I, I think that... When Jared Goff sees a lot of holes in the defense, he has the ability to read that, but he's not good against a good pass rush. And the Seattle Seahawks don't have a good pass rush. So that's why 
he might be good in this game. And watch out, again, Darrell Henderson. I'm telling you, this back is good. And he's a guy that can be relied upon to create some balance in this game. And at the same time, this might be a prove-it game. This might be a prove-it game, Giff, where Sean McVay is like, okay, Jared, I have you as a cornerstone quarterback moving forward as the guy that I want to build around. Show me why I made that decision. Show me again why, because I'm you. You are facing a division matchup, and we are five and three right now on the season. So you got to, like I said, it's put up or shut up time for Jared Goff, because I'm telling you right now, the Rams are probably not happy with the, what they see out of him this season, even though they're five and three, and against that Miami team, that defense, man, he was he was washed up. So I, you just got to make sure that you take advantage. Of a, of a defense that is the worst in the league. And I'm saying that with no confidence because I feel like Seattle shouldn't be the team that, that is the worst defense in the league. But they are. They are. Facts prove it. So I, I just think, like I said, I agree. It's a trap game for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. And I think the Rams come out with the victory. Sam Dostler came on. We're great to have him on from the Connecticut State Golf Association. He does a lot of work on the side as well. But I, I will say, uh, I think the Masters is going to be great. We're going to be talking to Jose Youngs next week, uh, breaking down some MMA. And yes, you got to be pumped. I know that you're, you're, you're an aficionado when it comes to the MMA. So, yo, we appreciate everyone listening. Again, we got guests coming on left and right, so keep tuning in. And uh, next week, again, we got the NBA. Exciting time to be alive, Giff. RIP to Tommy Heinsohn, Alex Trebek, and Sean Connery.